the podcast where our mission is to offer thoughtful and inspiring parenting and educational programming. We are committed to producing impactful podcasts that add value to conversations around education, student advocacy, and parental challenges. My name is Heather Moore, and I'm the head of school at Straylitz International Academy in Virginia Beach, and I will be your host. I have over 28 years of experience in independent schools with eight years as a head of school and 20 years serving as an independent school chief financial officer. I also have raised two children, one finishing medical school and one starting law school, and have been married to my wonderful husband for over 31 years. Joining us on today's episode is Wendy Goldberg, founder and president of the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation, and she's also the current SIA board president. She is here to discuss the work of the foundation and how it is transforming healthcare through the arts. Welcome, Wendy. We're so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you, Heather. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we dive into the work of the foundation, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background? Sure. Well, I am a CPA. I'm president of W.C. Goldberg & Company PC, a firm I've had for almost 20 years. Wow. And I now specialize in client advisory services for businesses and nonprofits. And that may have been the reason you asked me to serve as treasurer on the board (laughs) It could have been. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, over the past six years, I do have to say, you know, um, of serving on the board as a whole, you know, it's just such um, a beautiful experience to witness everyone from the administration to the staff to the parents and just the Jewish community come together and support the school. And, you know, it just takes me back to the way I felt, you know, in our time with Ben. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's an honor to serve. We love having you. You have been an excellent treasurer. In fact, I hated to let you go as treasurer, (laughs) but I was happy because you were becoming president. So it worked out to my benefit either way. But so you're actually the president and founder of the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation, as well as your corporation. So you yes, have a lot on your plate. I do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Can you share with us a little bit about your healthcare journey and how it led you to setting up the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation? Yes. You know, um, just a little background. Yeah. You know, ben was a student at SIA. Um, in the summer before he was to enter kindergarten, he was diagnosed with a rare cancer called neuroblastoma. Okay. So we sought treatment here at CHKD, and we also sought treatment at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. So we did. It was really cool to go between both of the hospitals during those three and a half years, but it was really during our time at Memorial where we were exposed to something called integrated medicine. And, you know, that for us, mainly for us, it was dance therapy and meditation. Okay. So Ben's father had a background in music and it was a huge part of our lives. And I have a dance background. So we were like, yes, bring this on, (laughs) you know, and they they were, what it, what those experiences during his treatments, they're really kind of, you know, diffused the anxiety for us and really allowed the family and the caregivers to show up in a real meaningful way. And, you know, I, when, um, when Ben passed, it took me a while to decide how I was going to honor him. And, you know, he's best known for walking these halls, dancing and singing. Oh, yes. And with his, his sparkle, Michael Jackson, glove, hat, all of those good things. I mean, we let him be who he was. So I didn't jump to anything at the at in the beginning, but I wanted to, to be really to honor Ben. And I was volunteering at our local children's hospital here at CHKD. And I was walking the halls and I thought, wow, why can't we do this here? Why couldn't we bring 
some of these integrated services here. Mm -hmm. It just felt like a void. So that's when I started the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation. And we started, you know, working with CHKD to talk about some of these therapies and even talks of, you know, starting an integrated line here. And that was pre-COVID and those talks kind of stopped at COVID. And Yeah, I yeah. can imagine. <laughs> right. So it really went to, they had to focus on essential essential care at the time. But what, you know, I, this is, I can't say this as our official tagline, but it does seem to resonate when I say it, but it was during those integrated therapies and during those experiences with integrated medicine that they, it didn't change the outcome for us, but it did change our story. Yeah. Real quick. Mm -hmm. Can you tell our listeners what is integrative medicine? What type, what does that exactly mean for people? So integrated medicine is more of a holistic whole person approach okay. to healthcare. So let's say, you know, just easily on our experiences at Memorial. So just the allowance of a dance therapist to enter the room during treatment or a meditation guide to come in okay. and weigh in. And they are there as um, support. You know, that is, whether it's movement with dance or it is meditation, it's kind of the, there's therapy going on on the back end, okay. but those those integrated services are kind of the way into the child. Okay, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Understood. Yeah. All right, so why don't we move on to, tell me what some of the main goals and the mission of the foundation are, and how are you all working towards achieving those? Sure, so our official mission is to empower and support children and family on their medical journey. Love that. Yes, and so over the years, you know, we, I know that sounds very, very broad, but I wanted that, that was by design. Okay. Really, because in the beginning, I didn't, integrated medicine was a word, even our board had a hard time understanding. Yeah. And we weren't sure how we were going to tackle that. So I wanted it to be broad enough that we could, it would be a bigger umbrella for us to do other things in the future. But what we do, and we recently have described it in, in three pillars, okay. which we strive to improve the healthcare experience through our three pillars of creating inspirational healthcare environments. Uh, developing and supporting arts and health programming and serving as a community resource, you know, and we were really methodical about how we approach some of these programs. And, you know, we have a very small staff that works part time, <laughs> you know, three or four of us, you know, that are checking our emails at night and, and things. So, you know, we have surveyed the community, we are interviewing other nonprofits, because we don't want to be a duplication of efforts. Yeah, you know, a lot of times there are creative arts therapies that are um, more of them than there were even five or 10 years ago in the community. So we don't want to duplicate efforts. Um, so it's, it's interesting to find out what other programs are going on in the community. And we also work with health systems to support and develop programs internally. You know, okay. And raising awareness is a big one, too. Um, we just put on a, our first um, healing arts and medicine, music and medicine, virtual CME conference for interested folks and physicians to get CME credit. Um, so really teaching the community and the staff that the, how important these things are. Right. And helping them just to understand how this type of therapy can help their patients if it's mm -hmm. a physician or, you know, a PA or a nurse or whatever their background mm -hmm. may be. But I feel like they need education so that they can understand yeah how this might help their patients. It is. And um, during COVID, it was, you know, this was right before COVID, um, we brought the dance therapist that worked with us exclusively. Her name is Susie Tatora. She is phenomenal. We brought her to CHKDU to do a Grand Rounds where she did a demonstration and um, explanation and to 
to anyone who was interested. And she actually went to the playroom and we got about eight kids in and she was doing her thing. So that was a really beautiful time. And it was very well received. And I mean, I'm sure that the, the children in the hospital, you know, it's, it's a touch of regular life for them, mm-hmm. you know? It's not, you know, them being in the hospital, receiving treatments. They're actually doing something they might have enjoyed prior to being in the hospital, dancing, singing, art, music. Mm-hmm. So it feels a little like, oh, this is a little normal, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And less medical. <laughs> yeah, you're just bringing some life back into... A situation. Yeah. You know, and it Which doesn't make it so, so arduous or so hard. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I remember when my, one of my sons, I think it was my youngest son was in CHKD because he had to have surgery. He had a, a appendix burst. And so that was a big event for us where we had to rush him and they um, had to take his appendix out. But they had a little art room right down the hallway from where his room was and I mean five minutes after he was awake and you know knew what he was doing he was ready to go play so uh, we went down to that art room and he had the best time and they had they had people in there manning the space helping you know children find what they were looking for and be able to do something that obviously physically they were up to doing Mm -hmm. um later we found out we weren't really supposed to let him get up and walk down the hallway but we didn't know that at the time (laughs) and he was fine so (laughs) yeah I know I mean it it does there is an allowance just to have some fun yeah I know Ben had a different style and as you probably this is no surprise to you um at Memorial they had clowns that would come around to the rooms and he would bring the clowns back to his room of course he did you know (laughs) hey you Come with me. (laughs) Real quick, I have to share with you one of my favorite Ben stories. So he he used to always try to get out of going to recess. I don't know why, but he did not like going to recess. And one day we were like, Ben, you need to go out. You need some fresh air. So I went out there with him and, you know, walking around looking what all the kids are doing. And he finally comes up to me and he goes, Mrs. Moore, you have power, don't you? What kind of power do you have? And I was like, power? What are you talking about? He goes, I think if you have the right power, you could get rid of recess. <laughs> and it was just the cutest thing ever. <laughs> I loved it. I will always remember that story. Yeah, You've got it. the power, Mrs. Moore. You could get rid of recess if you wanted to. <laughs> I was like, no, I think recess is good, even if we're just outside in right. the fresh air. Mm-hmm. But it was cute. It was one of my favorite Ben stories. Every time I would see him, I've got the power. Mm-hmm. He, would, he would give me the thumbs up. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> so um, okay, so why don't you share with us some of your key projects or initiatives that the foundation has undertaken since its inception or like just key yeah. initiatives that you guys are working on now? Yeah, we are so proud um, of some of the things that we have accomplished. Our first project was very near and dear. Uh, CHKD needed um, to purchase some infusion backpacks. And so infusion backpacks Ben experienced not at CHKD but at Memorial. So some of his chemo treatments, he was didn't have to stay in inpatient in the hospital. That's so, so nice. You would take a, either an infusion backpack for chemo or either if you needed additional fluids to go home. So it was very easy. I mean, I think one time we were at FAO Schwartz and he's in his backpack and in doing his thing. So it, we knew how important it was to give families some freedom. Yeah. So our first thing, it was 2019, we raised $20,000 to That's buy amazing. Um, 10 infusion backpacks. So yeah, that was, that was really cool. And then the next project was, you know, still 
you know, it, it still amazes me sometimes that there is a place that honors him. It's the Benjamin Goldberg Playroom at CHKD. So it is on the fifth floor hematology oncology unit. So it is, you know, I, I was very vocal a lot of times about like na- allowing natural light in. And so it yeah. is glass and um, there's so much natural light and, you know, it, it's a really healing space. Let the sun shine in, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that initiative, the money was further designated not only as a naming, but for the integrated services to happen through the playroom. And they are doing yoga therapy now for the caregivers. And That's wonderful. So, yeah, so there's a lot of really cool things that have transpired Um yeah. And so that's in the CHKD hospital yeah, itself. Yeah, main hospital. Okay. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, and our golf tournament, um, the funds are designated to the new mental pavilion at CHKD. There's a multi-purpose room, and that space was interesting to us in the fact that a child could have a medical condition mm-hmm. and a mental condition. Absolutely. So they could have um, anxiety and maybe have a heart issue. Yeah. You know, and so those children needed a special space to get extra care if needed. So um, the funds from our golf tournament every year go to the 13th floor multi-purpose room. There. That's wonderful. I know. Yeah. So, I'm sure that that has been very helpful. So do they also do like integrative therapies in the multi-purpose? Yes, okay. they're doing art therapy. Um, CHKD has hired, um, they have one music therapist. I think they're, they're, there was an art therapist. I think they're looking to hire more. Um, I think that everyone wants them. You know, they're in great <laughs> yeah. demand. I think the emergency room screaming, we want we want the music therapist. So it's, um, you know, it's definitely been um, really cool to see how these, the development of some of these programs. And also we, we did a caregiver program and NYC H&H, which is the largest hospital system in the country. Okay. And they came to us. They have a arts and medicine department. And they were doing a pilot program and needed just a small amount of money to, they had four hospital systems and it was open to all caregivers, which was all staff of the hospital to come and do different activities. And that program was so successful that they were able to go to one of their largest donors and get a $250,000 grant for a permanent program. So, Amazing. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget about the caregiver, you know, so it's really nice that that we're thinking in that direction as well. And that's what I saw in those experiences. So we could be in a room with Ben and, you know, Ben as the core, the patient, but those integrated therapies were helping Jeff and I. They were helping us be completely present with him. The fear left the room. We were there. But I also see, I saw the change in the staff. Yeah. You know, Ben was sharing his music. He would, you know, he would see one of the nurses come by and, she liked, um, it was MC Hammer's Can't Touch This. So he would hit the song as she was walking by and she would start dancing. And then all the other people on the floor would come into the room. <laughs> and it just created this really cool atmosphere. And, yeah. You know, and it's contagious. Yeah, absolutely. If you allow it. I think that's the key. So people don't know that it can exist, that these things are, you know, that you can have a little fun if you if you want yeah, so. I mean, I think fun is necessary. Mm-hmm. You have to find some joy, some happiness, some laughter, you know, um, in any way that you can, yeah. for sure. So how do you, tell me, how do you identify um, communities that need your support? Like, how do you do that? There's so many things out there that I'm sure could be coming to the Benjamin Goldberg right. Foundation asking for help and support. And that's got to be difficult to figure out what you're going to pursue. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll just go back to a story. And this kind of goes back to the very beginning. It was maybe a month or two before Ben passed. And I looked in my purse and he would carry his wallet 
and I'd have it in my purse and I looked and there was this big wad of dollars, like hundreds of dollars. And I said, Ben, where did you get all this money? And he said, I just asked people for it. And I said, what? Yeah, I said, no, we're donating it. You know, and so I matched it. I think Jeff matched it and my parents matched it and it ended up being maybe $500. And we took it to the Ronald McDonald house. And I was the auditor for the Ronald McDonald house at the time and knew them well. And we took Ben in and I said, Ben, can you tell Elise, you know, where you want the money to go? And he said, I wanted to help families. Like he understood as a yeah. little child. And sometimes I don't think we realize that they too see the need. And so that always really stuck with me. And what, you know, when I started and as I, as we approach anything. And so, you know, like I said, a great deal of consideration goes into what, what we approach. And I just have to ask myself that very simple question. Like, would this be something that would have helped Ben? Ah, you know, important question. Mm -hmm. Because it really grounds you into what's the purpose, you know, I want to help families and children like Ben, you know, in the future, Mm -hmm. to help support them in any way that you can makes Mm -hmm. total sense. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you're able to answer that question with a yes, then that organization yeah. is something that the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation would want to mm-hmm. work with. And so in that same vein, collaboration, I think, is key to all success. Um, how about how, what partnerships or collaborations does the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation have in place and or sees coming? Right. Many. Um, I bet. <laughs> I think the um, non, at least in Hampton Roads, a nonprofit community is very collaborative. We're all, we all want to help each other because we have such limited resources individually. Yes. Um, so again, CHKD has been a great partnership. Yes. Um, the Norfolk Ronald McDonald House, um, NYC H&H. Um, we have another project possibly on the horizon with them. And, you know, we, we've been in talks with all the other organizations that are doing similar work, you know, to make sure there isn't a duplication. Yeah, that, that's true. You know, so there are a couple of healing arts centers, but they are focused, one focused on autism, one focused on um, military. So we just want to make sure that the things that we do are, it's clear. And so it's really clear what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So transparency and accountability, which you are very familiar with as a CPA, is very important in the nonprofit sector. Yes. Um, how does the Ben Goldberg Foundation ensure transparency in its operations and finances? Right. That's a great question. I mean, we are required annually to find, file a 990. Okay. Or variation of, depending on the level of giving for that year, with the IRS. And that does go to GuideStar. So that is okay. public knowledge um, that all... Entities or nonprofits are, you know, filed. And financial statements um, also are very important. So we, as a CPA, that is just very natural for me to yeah. reconcile our <laughs> annual or our monthly um, financials. But they are given to the board, you okay. know, as part of the board packet. So they know exactly what's going on. And, you know, they go out before every meeting. And if requested, you know, as you probably know, financials sometimes for grants Mm-hmm. Um, are requested yes. as well. So, you know, it's very, very important. And we also um, vote on an annual budget. Okay. At the beginning of each year. So That's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation, it is a 501c3, correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just being sure that yeah, we stated yeah, yeah. that for everybody, for all of our listeners out there. Can you share some memorable moments from your work with the foundation that you think have had a significant impact on the community or on individuals? You know, Having... I I think the playroom is kind of like this beacon of light 
you know, I think that it's such a statement. Yeah. I think to the families that go, and I think it's hard to get impact on that. Yeah. You know, because the hospitals can, they can tell us how many people are on the floor, or how many people may go through the playroom, but it's hard to identify, you know, the takeaway or the feeling. And I think we always want people to feel, I think it's a space where people could feel supported. Yeah. And so it's really important. And one of the things that, it, this is a, a story I shared just recently, um, it was a couple years ago, I just saw a post come through that the Beatles were re-releasing the Let It Be album. And it just kind of came to me, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if there was a sign in the playroom that said Let It Be? And then I, I was like, oh, it could have a neon thing go down the side, <laughs> like a little lit at night, because... You know, a lot of families aren't on the floor as much as we were. You know, they're, yeah. they're more acute. couple days in, couple days out. But when you have a child that has more chronic disease, you could be inpatient for a week or more. Right. 28 days, maybe. So sometimes as a parent, you might go grab a cup of coffee or walk the halls at night. And it just felt so cool to have, you know, maybe have a little sense of inspiration. So I called my cohort at chkd and she was like oh yes let's do it and it just the project just kind of happened they had funds that were available we contacted a local artist and we went back and forth on some sketches and so now this sign lives in the playroom and it says let it be with a I little that. little dedication and i i just hope that it brings some inspiration to another parent or family you know when they're going through a hard time absolutely mm-hmm. very nice love yeah. it yeah did you happen to notice that, I don't know if it's still there actually, but the Chrysler Museum had a, a photo exhibit from Paul McCartney, some of his personal photos from the very beginning of the Beatles, like existence and touring. You know, someone just said it and I saw you post about I, it. I did. But I didn't know it was local. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go down there. You Let's definitely see. should. It, it's, it's wonderful. It's an absolutely fabulous exhibit. But also they had the curator come from the UK who originally did the gallery exhibit. And so she explained some of what was behind the photos and, and Paul McCartney's statements about the photos and what was going on in them. And it's, it was so interesting because when you look at all of that, you realize these boys were they were boys. They were mm-hmm. kids. And all of a sudden, they were thrown into this, we're the most famous people on the planet. Mm-hmm. But they were still just boys, you know? So it was it was very interesting to hear that that side of the behind the scenes of the of the photos. The whole time I was in there, though, I couldn't help but think about Ben while I was touring mm-hmm. it because I was like, oh, this is, this is so him. Yeah. So. And so just to share with the listeners, he did, he, I think it was that last year. I mean, he just became fascinated with the Beatles. He would walk these halls. He, collar, I don't know if collared shirts are still required at the school, but at the time they were. <laughs> at the and time so they you were. you guys were so gracious because they needed to be buttoned up. And you guys let him in many days, I think all days. He either showed up with a Michael Jackson, Daft Punk, <laughs> or Beatles t-shirt under his collar shirt. And you guys allowed him to wear it unbuttoned. And I thank you for that. Because <laughs> he, he, it was a very big part of his morning. Yes, absolutely. Which one is he going to wear yes. today? <laughs> So many people want to make a positive difference in the world, um, but they don't really know where to start, you know? Mm -hmm. What advice would you give our listeners if there's somebody out there who's thinking about trying to start a foundation? Right. I mean, follow your passion. Okay. I mean, I think I, I didn't know if what we could accomplish, really. I, because the, the concept of it wasn't, we didn't have, it's very easy sometimes if you think about the food bank, you know, you're going to collect money and you're going to serve, you know, or you're going to collect items and give it back. This was very broad. And I thought, I don't, I 
kind of, you know, I definitely had a background in business and definitely specialized in nonprofit. So I knew all the things that it would take to do this, but I wasn't sure, but I just followed that little voice inside that said, yes, we, we have, you have, I have to share the story. I have to at least try to make it better for someone else in the future. So, and, and then look at all the things that have happened from that. It's been amazing to watch. So I would say, you know, and it, it can be small things too. You don't have to start a whole entire foundation of your own. You know, like we have a junior advisory council, a group of children who want to serve and help. And we let them, you know, in their creative ways, pick projects and come together and talk. And, you know, that's interesting, too. I mean, I think that's like a crucial component, though, of the of your foundation. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I think it's it's different. I don't know very many foundations that have a junior advisory board. I love Mm -hmm. that about it. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky sometimes because the kids are busy. Yeah, I mean, these kids are like when I was growing up, we didn't have all this extra stuff going on. But, you know, but somehow it works. And, you know, there is a cohesive unit to it. And um, oh, just recently, um, prior student of um, SIA, Hayden Kaplan, just raised in one night five thousand dollars. Amazing. With his dodgeball tournament, he does a dodgeball tournament. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, he has. It's called Gaming it. for Gold. So every year it, it changes a little bit. But um you know, it's so important and, you know, they want to, kids want to give back. Yeah. So this, we didn't even talk about that actually, the junior advisory Mm -hmm. board. What does that consist of? Like, is there an age range and how often do they meet and what kind of, what do they do? Well, that's always evolving because we're trying to, we're trying to navigate, you know, busy teenagers. Right. But generally it's children between the ages of 10 and 18. Some of them that were involved in the leadership over the last few years have gone on to college now, you know, so we have graduated a group, um, (laughs) but during, we started during COVID and we met virtually. Okay. And so, you know, it was, we taught them how to do an agenda. So we had like a beginning, middle and end of all the meetings. And we would shout out to anyone who was doing some efforts in the community. We would recognize birthdays. They picked a project they wanted and we found a community partner who would up to $500 match their fundraising. So, I mean, it's been, so it, it's a learning thing for them as well. I know they need it for their resumes and for college applications, but it does feel like it's really something they enjoy. I don't get the feeling that their parents are making them do this by right. any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah, so um, we decided to meet more in person this year. That's good. Yeah. So if somebody is interested, if one of our listeners hears this and says, oh, this would be a great thing for my high school student and or I'm interested myself, what would they, how would they reach out to you? Yeah, they could reach out to us directly at admin at benjamingoldbergfoundation.org and we could give them some information. Okay. How to get involved. Love it. Absolutely mm-hmm. love it. So looking towards the future, tell me what your hopes are, what your aspirations are for the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation. You know, it's this idea of social prescribing has been so interesting and so well received recently. I was invited to go to a convening in New York City last year. It was started by two medical students who were in their residency and just felt like there was something missing from the medical process as a whole. Yeah. And there's a model in the UK where this is integrated into their medical model. So for instance, let's say Ben was in between scans and not doing treatment. And he was going to the doctor for a checkup. And the doctor would say, Ben, you know, we know you like music. And he'd say, yes, I love music. And he could actually prescribe music therapy or a music activity to Ben. Then we as a family could take it to a link worker or which equates to a social worker. Okay. And then in turn, that social worker could connect us to resources in the community that are providing the service. And in a perfect model, it would be 
um, funded by insurance. Amazing. So it could be anything like, um, well, I'll tell you the, the definition. So the World Health Organization defines it as a means of connecting patients to a range of non-clinical services in the community to improve health and well-being. So it could be something as simple as a food prescription or gardening. Okay. And um, there is there was a pilot going on up north where they were working with the elder population for social, iso- social isolation and tracking some of that. So, okay. you know, what, what, you know, this idea I think is connecting with everybody. And when I speak and talk about it, people will come up to me and they're like, oh, my daughter, this, or my mother, this. And, you know, what do you see with this? And so what the foundation, we have an event coming up next month where we're going to do a movie showing of the Netflix documentary American Symphony. Mm-hmm. And which is a soft kind of introduction into how music can heal. Okay. And then we're going to have a four panel discussion with um, professionals and organizations in the community to kind of open up these conversations. But my real um, aspiration and takeaway from that convening in New York City, and I sat next to someone from the mayor's office. It was a group of um, medical professionals, other nonprofits, government officials, healthcare agencies trying to figure out how we could even do this. Right. You know, I sat at the one of the breakout sessions called Who Pays? I was curious, like, how does this work? And so the takeaway was go back home and figure it out. Like there is no model and each state is going to have to do it differently. Um, New York City is already starting to work on together with um, their internal agencies. New York City Health and Hospital is doing a fabulous job of that. But, you know, we need to do a couple pilots. And I'd love to have a roundtable discussion with other nonprofits, um, healthcare organizations, local governments to see if maybe ODU to see how we can get this going here. I mean, it sounds like it's the very beginning. Yes. You know, it's the very beginning of who pays and how do you Mm -hmm. do this and how does this become part of the norm treatment process Mm -hmm. rather than the extraordinary. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, this is a long, long um, game. Of Of course. course. Yeah. But I think it's like it's got to start somewhere, the conversation. So we're just starting to kind of open up some of those communications and in conversations in the community. So that's kind of, you know, where I see, you know, but again, like back to your question in the beginning, like, you know, we always see the child or the patient at the center, but we also know how important it is the caregiver, which really could be a family member or a medical professional. Absolutely. And the community at large. You know, it just seems like it's, the, the message is evolving a little bit and mm-hmm. our focus is evolving because we're seeing the need shift. Yeah. I think it also, interestingly, it goes back to education, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, all the way back to medical school education, probably yeah. social prescribing needs to become part of curriculum. Um, I would say mm-hmm. that's one spot that we could think about the beginning, mm-hmm. um, educating insurance companies about yes. the purpose of social prescribing and how it impacts health and wellness. Um, I mean, it is proven, like if you give food prescriptions to people who have diabetes in certain populations, that mm-hmm. it's changing the game. They're not showing up in the ER as much. I mean, exactly. I mean, exactly. It's, it's a cost, you know, when you really look at it, um, and I, I don't have the data with me right now to yeah, say, but I mean, fine, the concept but... as a whole is, it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, and it makes total sense when you back up from it, you mm-hmm. know, and you really look at it. It's It's not a matter of who pays. It's a matter of who pays less, actually, mm-hmm. if you start integrating these things into your healthcare system, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yeah. It all relates back. Yeah. 
education, health, wellness, it all goes together. Mm-hmm. So right. I feel very fortunate to be at on the forefront of some of these conversations. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. You have done incredible things with this foundation in very, a really a short period of time. Yeah, we are, just started our sixth year. We've raised over half a million dollars. That's amazing. Um, you know, it has its challenges <laughs> for sure. But um, at the end of the day, it definitely, you know, we're, you make impact. And some sometimes when you're, we work with, right now we're working with health, we don't have internal services of our own. You know, we're working with other organizations. It's hard to get impact numbers harder to yeah to, I would to, imagine yeah so you know that that messaging is very important to us you know we're always talking about is our messaging clear how you know how can we make this a little more streamlined so people understand exactly what we're doing yeah mm-hmm. well I thank you so much for joining us today I think that this has probably been very informative for our listeners especially for people who've never heard of integrative medicine or social prescribing you know all of this is such new territory but vital work that you're doing Uh, for our community as well as beyond our community, obviously. Uh, Some some places like New York are a little bit ahead of us, I think, but because you're here, I think you're advancing our community at a a more rapid pace than maybe we would have, Mm -hmm. and that's an impact for you to think about, actually. Well, thank you. Um, So again, I thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners who may be interested in more information about the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation or the uh, great work that you're doing or the Junior Advisory Council, we will have information on our website about how they can reach out to you. Okay, great. I thank you for taking the time to join us today. To all of our listeners, please give us feedback on our podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we hope that you will subscribe, share, and follow us. Please visit our website at www.straylitzinternationalacademy.org for more information about this episode, as well as resources and tips. And please remember, it takes a whole community to build a strong foundation for our children to grow and develop. On behalf of SIA, I thank you for joining us today, and I thank you for your partnership.